Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now the caravan is moving along, and we can see Jacob in this caravan. He's silent, and he's thinking about all the memories of Beersheba. He's in deep thought of how rich the times were when his grandfather Abraham met God at Beersheba and how God reaffirmed his contract, his covenant, with Abraham at Beersheba, with Isaac. And God would make Abraham's seed as the sand of the sea, and he'd give Abraham this land of Canaan. It's all tied to Beersheba. And so, so as the caravan's moving along, Isaac is real quiet. He's in a deep meditation. He's thinking about all these rich times of when his father Isaac also met God at Beersheba and heard heard him reaffirm the contract, the covenant. And for Jacob, it's been a long, long time since he's been to Beersheba. And so many memories now are just flooding over Jacob's soul. And he thinks of Beersheba when the caravan comes to Beersheba, and that's why he cries, stop, stop. Now, the caravan stops. Jacob climbs down off of it. He's looking at the grove. It's probably really in disrepair. Not trimmed, not beautiful, like when Abraham and Isaac lived there. He kind of thinks about that. He walks through the grove. He sees the old well, the well of Beersheba, probably broken down also, not cared for. The place looks like a ghost town to him. And then he comes to the central part of Beersheba, which is the altar. And there we can see Jacob, the old man, working to repair the altar and putting the stones of the altar back in place where they used to be. And then we can see him getting the wood and putting it under the place of the sacrifice so that the uh, the sacrifice could be burnt up in the burnt offering. He's old. He's weak. This is the last thing, really, that we read about that Jacob sort of does in his life, way of work. He's, He's repairing the altar at Beersheba. And after the altar, he got the altar prepared in, in there, and the wood set in order for the burnt sacrifice, we can see him just sitting down and looking at that altar, and he's thinking to himself, my grandfather Abraham is dead, and this used to be his altar, but the God of my grandfather Abraham is not dead, and I will call on the name of the name of the God of Abraham at this altar, just like Abraham did. And and, and, and then he's thinking, as he's kind of meditating there, my father Isaac is dead. And this used to be his altar. But the God of my father Isaac is not dead. And I'm going to call on the name of the God of Isaac at this altar, just like my father Isaac did. And so that's, that's, that's what he did there. And, and then there's just so much emotion that's flooding over Jacob's soul at Beersheba. 
There was so much family history, so much that made his family different from all the families of the world. His family had an altar at Beersheba, and Jacob feels compelled now to be the grandson of Abraham and to be the son of Isaac and take his place as the last patriarch of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as he calls now on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at Beersheba. And us, we stand back and we watch this great man of God, Jacob, call on the name of God at Beersheba. It's the last trip that Jacob will make in his life. He knows that. It's the last time that he'll ever see Beersheba. He knows that. And after he leaves Beersheba, Jacob will only have his memories to go back to to visit Beersheba. So when Jacob was there at Beersheba, Jacob is thinking to himself, this is where it all began. This is where it all began. I was born here in Beersheba. I ran away from Beersheba when Isaac wanted to kill me. Esau wanted to kill me. And then I went to Uncle Laban in Haran, and I ran away from him, from Laban, and I've moved from place to place. Now I'm moving again down to Egypt. I'll never be back here again. I'm a pilgrim. That's what he thinks. He's got a caravan waiting for him there. This is just a stop, just a whistle stop. I'm a pilgrim. My life has ever been a pilgrim. That's the way I started my life in Beersheba, as a pilgrim. That's how I'm coming down to the end of my life, as a pilgrim. And Jacob remembers that his grandfather Abraham was very rich, but he never owned any land. He never owned any land, except for a burying place called Machpelah, where he bought to bury Sarah in. And and in his negotiation for that land, Abraham said in Genesis 23.4, Genesis 23.4, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And this is how Jacob is summing up his life when he's, and when he, get, when he gets down there to Egypt, these thoughts are so much in his mind. The caravan, the pilgrim, his, his grandfather's words, that when he stands before Pharaoh, he says to him in Genesis 47, 9, and Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life been, and am not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So he stands in front of Pharaoh, and he tells him, I'm a pilgrim. He tells him, my grandfather Abraham was a pilgrim, and my father Isaac was a pilgrim. And Pharaoh's going to think to himself, poor fellow. He's like a gypsy. He's just moving from place to place. And that's how the Bible describes these fathers, patriarchs, in Hebrews 11.9. Hebrews 11.9 says, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. And then in Hebrews 11.13, Hebrews 11.13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. In Hebrews 13.14, Hebrews 13.14, here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. 
So even when Pharaoh will offer him the best of the land of Egypt, Jacob will say to himself, it's great, but it's not for me. I'll make provision that I'm not going to be buried here in, in uh, Egypt. It's going to be back, back in that cave that my grandfather bought. Because I don't want anyone to ever think that Jacob made Egypt his home. And that's the picture of how God wants us to view our lives in this world. With a kind of abstinence, as it says in 1 Peter 2.11. 1 Peter 2.11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Okay, so now Jacob, he offers his sacrifices in verse 1. It says he offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And Jacob would have offered in these sacrifices, sacrifices of thanksgiving and sacrifices of prayer. Now, first of all, let's just kind of consider the aspect of Jacob offering sacrifices of thanksgiving. What would Jacob be thankful for? How about a change in his sons? Any change in his sons? They're different. They're different. This has been the great burden in his heart, the deception of his sons, the treachery, the murderous spirit. He always believed they murdered Joseph. They're different now. They're not the same. They are repentant, and so therefore, they're, they're, they're different Right. What else? Where's he going to? Come on, he's going to Maui. <laughs> this is Goshen. He's going to live in Maui. <laughs> That's something to be thankful for. Okay. And uh, he's got a beautiful place to live there. He's got food. All right. So this is part of what he does. He thanks God for these things. And then, um, but... There is a transition also because he, he has a prayers as well. And you can, what does he pray? What do you think is part of his prayer when you look at verse three? Verse three here, what is, what is, what is he praying about? He's afraid. He's afraid to go down to Egypt. And when we think of Jacob now, afraid to go down to Egypt, this gives us insight into the prayers that were behind his sacrifices. So he's coming to God with Beersheba. He wants direction because he's afraid to now to go down to Beersheba. So with his sacrifices, he's bringing a request to God of what he's afraid of. And by the way, this is a good way to bring prayer to God, request to God. First, by starting off with what we are thankful for, what we are thankful to God for, and then moving on to what we want God to do for us. That's the best way to make requests to God, which is a pattern given to us in Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4.6 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't just come to God and say, I want whining, I want, I want, I want, but come to him and says, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, and I want, I want, I want. <laughs> okay? All right. Now, you think about Jacob here, afraid to go to Egypt. What are some of the reasons that Jacob would have to be afraid of going down to Egypt. It's the promised land. He's leaving the land that was given to him. Okay, so there's a lot of reasons why he's afraid. As we've mentioned, it's another country. He never thought about moving to another country. And affliction, slavery, and hard oppression. That was a promise that was given to Abraham. That was scary. 
So he's thinking, it's another country. I'm going to, you know, I always thought I'd live and die in Canaan. Now I'm going to Egypt. It's scary. You know, now I'm leaving Anatevka. You know, <laughs> who can imagine I'd be wandering so far from the home I love? What do we leave? Nothing much. Anatevka, Anatevka, underfed, overworked, Anatevka, and so forth. Intimate, obstinate, Anatevka. You want me to sing it for you? No. <laughs> Where I know everyone, I'm, soon I'll be a stranger in a strange new place, searching for an old familiar face in Anatevka. I belong in Anatevka. Tumble down, work a day, Anatevka, dear little village, little, little town of mine. So he's leaving the familiar place of Anatevka, which is Canaan for him. He's going down to Egypt, and that's enough to make him afraid. He remembers not only the prophecy that was given to Abraham, what else did he remember in Abraham's life about Egypt? Abraham was so afraid when he was in Egypt that he lied and said that Sarah was his sister and ended up that Sarah was taken into Pharaoh's harem and her virtue and Abraham's home was nearly destroyed. And all because Abraham went down to Egypt. And then he also remembers something else that happened in Egypt that, that was a terror, terrible thing for Abraham's family. Remember what that was? Who did Abraham bring back up from Egypt? Cute little girl. Cute little Egyptian girl. Little servant girl. Just about destroyed Abraham's home and caused conflicts for ages when she bore Abraham a half-Egyptian son named Ishmael. So these memories are not great for Jacob. He's thinking about, I'm going down to Egypt? He's thinking about what happened to to Abraham. Now, Now, what about his own father, Isaac? Remember what happened with Isaac in Egypt? Isaac endured a famine, a similar famine to what there is now. And Isaac set off to go down to Egypt. And, and God told Isaac in Genesis 26, 2, the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land. I will be with thee. I will bless thee. For unto thee and to thy seed will I give all those countries. And I'll perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham. And so forth. So he remembers Isaac was stopped dead in his tracks when he was on his way down to Egypt with, go not down into Egypt, God told Isaac. So he's afraid of that. And then uh, this prophecy in Genesis 15, 13 that God gave to Abraham. He said it to Abraham, know of a certain surety, thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Serve the Egyptians, be afflicted for 400 years. That doesn't sound good. So he's afraid of this. These are the reasons that Jacob is afraid to go down. He, and also, he's old. He's old, and he, this is totally unfamiliar to him. He nearly lost it. Abraham nearly lost his family. Isaac was prevented. Abraham was told about this terrible prophecy. So during this 13-mile ride on these wagons from Hebron to Beersheba, Jacob's got a lot to think about in his quiet, calm, pensive way. He's not talking. And these reasons he's thinking about, it and he's getting more and more afraid. That's the reason why he offers these sacrifices. Now, we have to take a step back and look what just happened. What just happened is, first of all, there was all this excitement of, oh, Joseph is yet alive. 
and he's got great glory, and he sent all these magnificent gifts, and look at these wagons that come from Egypt. Oh, a lot of excitement. But nowhere do we read, Jacob sought the Lord to see if this was God's will or not. As a matter of fact, it appears that Jacob looked at everything and just shouted out, it's enough, Joseph's alive, I go. That's what he said. So he looks at everything, he shouts out, my son's alive, I'm going to go and see him. And then as he's traveling now from Beersheba, or to Beersheba, from Hebron, all these fears start to come to him, and he thinks, you know, I didn't ask God if I should go or not, and I kind of need to do that. And so, can we just stop at Beersheba here? Because I got something I got to do. So he stops there, and this stop in Beersheba is really a, Lord, I really want to see Joseph But if you don't want me to go down to Egypt, then I will submit and turn right around, and I won't go down to Egypt. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you where you just get all excited about a possibility, and like Jacob, you just make a snap decision to go right on the spot, but then as you move forward, this cloud of doubt and fears come over you, and you think, wait a minute, I never asked God about this. I have my own feeling about this, but I don't know what God's counsel is. It reminds me of a former missionary we had, Phil Caldwell. I'll never forget this, who, along with his sister June, lived and worked in London, reaching the Jews in London and Europe and Russia by radio. And I used to visit Phil in his flat. He lived in Brixton, not a great area. Uh, You know Brixton. You don't want to be there at night. Okay. Anyway, even though Margaret Thatcher lived there, it still wasn't a good area. But anyway, he rented a flat from a lady. He rented the second floor. And there were other renters on the first floor and third floor. And the owner was a Christian. And she offered to sell the building to Phil for $30,000, the equivalent of pounds of $30,000. And it was worth $250,000. So when Phil tells me about this offer, I jump and I said, do it. Phil, do it. You know, Tom, the businessman like Jacob. You know, are you kidding? There's $220,000 advantage there. But Phil really surprised me when he said, I need to pray about it. And I said, Phil, what's there to pray about? You know, this is a $250,000 building. You're going to get it for $30,000. I don't understand why you hesitated. So Phil, what he was doing there is he was going to Beersheba first to ask counsel for God. And I was shocked after some time when Phil said that he felt it wasn't God's will for him and he turned it down. And then the building was sold and Phil was kicked out. And Phil found a little house next to a church in Croydon where he and his sister moved in until Phil went to be with the Lord. Now, as I looked back over Phil's decision, I could see that the Lord was in it because the building was almost 200 years old. And the mortar between the bricks, was falling out. So, (laughs) and the original building was built with no plumbing. So the plumbing was, pipes were run on the outside of the building, and they were deteriorated. In short, the building was just a trap that would have consumed all of Phil's time, his limited time on earth, and he would not have been able to continue in his, as much of his work of reaching the Jews because he would be hindered by repairing this building that was nearly 200 years old. You know, it's wise for us to to not make decisions based on our initial excitement. 
but to take time to go to Beersheba first and ask God what his will is. But how many Christians today go through the entire week and just leave God pretty much out of the picture, pretty much out of their program? You know, they make their own decisions, they do what they want to do, and and they just want God to endorse what they want to do. I mean, they come to church on Sunday, and they think, well, that's God's will for them, is merely to go to church. And then they tell, and then on Sunday, they tell God goodbye on Sunday night, and the rest of the week, God's not in the picture for them. So what we see here is so important, as you see here, when you marry together the end of chapter 45 and 46, after end of chapter 45, Jacob has decided on his own, without any consultation with God, that he's going to go down to Egypt. It's like a Christian who really do not want to be led by God. Their real wish in life is that God would just lead them where they want to be led. This stop at Beersheba is very important for us to see because it shows the difference between human confidence. Jacob was confident at the end of chapter 45. I should go down and see him. And God's assurance, which he only got when he stopped there. So he says, I will go and see him before I die. That's human confidence. Jacob is confident in himself. That's the right decision. Jacob stops at Beersheba and is saying, my human confidence is not enough. I need assurance from God that I should go down to Egypt. And even though I am confident that I should go down, I won't go down until I have the assurance from the Lord that I should go down. And God wanted Israel to live like this. And God wants you and I to seek him for guidance. And he promised that if we do that, if we seek him, he said it I guarantee you, it will not be a waste of time. And he says that in Isaiah 45, 19. Isaiah 45, 19, he says, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seeking me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. So God says, look, I'm not telling you, come to me in vain. In other words, it's a waste of your time. I'm going to answer you. But he says, there's one provision when you come to me. He says, in Jeremiah 29, 12, Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you'll call upon me. You go and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. All your heart. All your heart. That's Caleb. Caleb, everybody thinks Caleb means dog, right? Caleb actually is a contraction of two Hebrew words. All is coal. And Lev is heart. So the name Caleb means with all heart, all heart. That's what God is asking here. So to be led of the Lord requires us to do that, seek him with all the heart. And it requires us to be quiet and still as Jacob was there. As it says in Isaiah thirty twenty one. Isaiah thirty twenty one. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way walking in it when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. We're so blessed as a people to have the Lord Jesus as our guidance. That's who the Lord Jesus is for us. He's wisdom to us. It says that in 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. And Jacob needed wisdom so he stops at Beersheba to get God's wisdom, whether his fears meant that he should not go down into Egypt. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 